As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Inspiration, brave action, and heartwarming journeys. This is what the Louise H. Reed Show brings you. Now, here's your host, Louise H. Reed. Ever heard of the Celtic curse? I've heard of the luck of the Irish. Yeah, this isn't like that. It's hemochromatosis. Apparently, it can cause the body to absorb iron at three times the normal rate. And people with Northern European and Celtic heritage are at the highest risk. So it's about as lucky as a one-leaf clover. Well, it can cause some serious health problems, but it's easy to treat if discovered early. Chronic fatigue or aching joints. These are just two possible symptoms of hemochromatosis or the Celtic curse. To learn more, visit TooMuchIron.ca. joining me this wonderful Tuesday. I'm your host, Louise H. Reed. With listeners in over 145 countries and millions of iTunes downloads and ongoing podcasts each month, I'm the fortunate host here every Tuesday at this time to look into the lives of everyday people doing extraordinary things. People who, like our guest today, take brave, bold action in pursuit of their dreams and goals, and are here to share their journey and learnings to help you do the same in yours. Before we start, I'd like to thank you, my listeners, for joining me each and every week and for providing me the opportunity to share and grow with you. 
there's nothing more valuable than time. And so I'm honored that you're sharing yours with me. Now on to today's guest, Bailey Smith. Bailey is a mother of three amazing boys and a survivor of domestic violence. She is very passionate about bringing awareness to the topic of domestic violence and mental health as they are often very connected. Her mission is quite simple and bold and brave. It's to save lives and to help make the world a better place. Welcome to the show, Bailey. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, it's, it's my pleasure. Since the moment that we had the good fortune of meeting and being introduced by our shared friend, our common friend, Tracy Maxfield, I've really been inspired by you and your willingness to be so brave in sharing your vulnerable and difficult story for the purpose of helping others. So I, I need to say again, thank you for, for being such a, a beautiful um, example in this world. Thank you. There's so much for us to cover as you and I have sort of talked about already. And maybe we just wanted to start off with Maybe it's a simple question. I'm not sure if it's a simple question or not. But considering what you have been through, which I know we'll get into a little bit more over the course of the hour, but why do you feel so compelled to share your story? Well, um, when I first opened up to people, um, just to close friends, and posting little posts on social media, I got so many private messages from people that I had gone to school with years ago that I knew from all different walks of life. Um, they would send me personal private messages, um, thank you for sharing, and then they would want to talk. Yeah. And, and they, were, they had either been through or were going through so much of what, similar things that I had been through. So I said to myself, wow, you know, on the outside, people look like they have the perfect situation as I did um, to many people. Yeah. Um, and you really never know what's going on behind closed doors. It, it's, it's scary. It's very scary. And I said to myself, you know, especially um, the effect that it has on children for the rest of their lives, if I don't do something and I don't start opening my mouth yeah. and carrying on, how is this going to change? How is this going to change? And uh, what, again, that speaks to your courage and kindness. Um, so you mentioned the things that you have experienced and, and, and been through. What are some of those things that you're, you're referring to? Okay, well, can I, can I go back a drop? Well, go back to where it makes sense for you to go back to, really. I got married when I was 21 and a half. Okay, I married a guy seven years older than me. He was, a, he was hot, you know, he was <laughs> a go-getter. Um, he was intelligent. And 
um, I thought he was a prize. Yeah. And, and, you know, basically he put me on a pedestal and, you know, we knew each other for a year. I knew his family. And um, I, I thought that I, for 20 years, I literally thought I had the best husband, the best father to my three children. I'm not going to say I had a perfect situation. Mm. There was anger issues. There were, there were different, you know, after the fact, I look backwards, many, many red flags. Um, it was really towards the end, the last few years, that people started noticing things. Um, and people had noticed things prior and tried to tell me, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear it. So um, I just, you know, when, I, when there were things that, that happened in my marriage, I would put, I finally came to a point where I would put my foot down. I would say, this can't happen. This behavior has to change. And he would, you know, he, I did feel loved and I did feel like I married my soulmate. And he was truly a very, very good father to my kids for the most part. Um, I'm not going to say there wasn't, you know, he, again, anger was very, very big, pro big problem. Mm -hmm. uh, but Looking backwards, there was so much highs and lows and mood swings and personality disorder that I didn't see. When you're stuck in the middle of it, you don't see it. You can, you're so mind controlled. You're so brainwashed. You're so um, manipulated that unless you go through it, you cannot understand it. So when did you know or how did you know and I realize it's going to be a, it's not just one day something necessarily happens, or perhaps it was, but what, what was that time that you knew, wait a second, this isn't right for me? Um, well, there were a couple of times here and there, but, you know, he was so good at manipulating me into making me think that I was crazy for even thinking that, right. what narcissistic sociopaths are amazing at doing. The moment was December 2015 when he used his hands on me. And um, my middle son, who unfortunately suffered cancer a few times since, um, he had to break down the door and save my life. Oh, and man. that was the day that said, that's it, I'm done. I'm done. That was my moment, unfortunately. And so, I'm sorry that, that that happened. It's hard. It's hard to hear that. So I can't imagine what it is like to go through that. Um, you you know you've mentioned that there were some flags prior to that. What were some of those flags? And I'm asking you more for the purpose of for our listeners, for our listeners. You are so passionate about sharing your story for the purpose of helping others. So perhaps if you share what some of those red flags were for you, it might resonate with someone who's listening. So there were red flags. First of all, um, if somebody has uh, anger issues where they 
get violent by throwing things or um, destroying things, that's a red flag. Mm. And it doesn't change because it's a vicious cycle. Yes, I'll get better. Yes, I'm going to get help. But it's gonna hap- it does happen again. That's number one. If you suspect something, it's most likely it is happening. So I suspected there were other women. Um, I even found conversations and stuff like that. He was so good at manipulating me and making me think like I was crazy. Right. You know, love you. Uh, you know, I, you're, there's no one else I love more. Blah, 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 blah. You know? Um, go gut feelings. Right. Uh, if they go out all hours of the night, you know, no, they should not be at all hours of the night. You have little children at home. Um, you know, the first thing that happened at the beginning of my marriage, he changed his last name. Um, you know. What do you mean? Should, what do you mean he changed his last name? Like he, he, changed, he changed his last name legally from his family's name. So did you have the same? Okay. So what did he say? <laughs> I, I never really took on his original name. First place. Okay. And that's, I, I never have done that either. Um, when I, when I was married. Um, and so what did he, he must've just said something quite smooth about why he, why he did that. Well, well, my family has a bad reputation. My brother's been to jail. Um, you know, I just wanted to have a fresh start. I'm starting right. in a new business, things like that. Right. And I was 21 years old, like right. a big deal, 21 and a half years old. His family was dysfunctional and that was it, you know? Right. Um, you know, I, I, I've learned since then um, that if somebody's inconsistent, mm. I'm talking about like religion, whether you, you, you live your life in a religious way or a non-religious way or behaviors, inconsistency in behaviors, there was so much of that. And uh, in, in, in ways that were like um, to extremes. Okay. You know, um, but you know, I chalked it up to, you know, this is his personality. I loved him. You know, as good as he was bad, he as as bad as he was bad, he was also good. Mm-hmm. He loved his kids and they loved him unconditionally. And that was huge for me. Um, you know, that was that was those are red flags. Go with your gut. You suspect something, you know, you you stick with it. You know, you want, you know, he's always tell me, you know, call me Bailey the detective, detective Bailey. Because, you know, there were times when I was really tough and strong and I'd be, you know, going through his stuff, you know. There were times I didn't want to know. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's such an important message, I think, for anyone, regardless of where they are in their life, is, um, is that our instinct is our, you know, our soul's whispers. They are, it is telling us something. And we often don't put enough, give that enough weight when we, we're looking for then 
evidence. And if there is no evidence to substantiate our feeling, we think that our feeling is, is, not, uh, is not right. Uh, and we don't give that enough, you know, enough credence. And so I think that's a really, you know, I'm, I'm taking some notes here because I think it's really important that I, I'm able to sort of summarize when we get to the end here. So I've heard, you know, violence, like we've been talking about throwing things and just violent nature, even if it's not directed at, um, at, at the individual, at, at, the, at, at the spouse. So if you suspect something's happening, you're probably right. So to listen to your in instincts and then the inconsistent behaviors. Did you notice any other patterns when you had that ability to look back? Um, yes. Um, whenever there was family or friends around, um, and this is how I was able to validate everything when I was ready. Um, right. Whenever there was family or friends around and they took my attention away from him, he would just be like a little like a little child uh, just on a rampage or right. he'd go into his room and and I can have a, a guest full, table full of guests and he'd pick up and leave um you know it's not normal I mean you have I mean first of all you're a role model to your children and second of all you've guessed people it didn't matter his family my family uh, friends my siblings' friends, didn't matter. He never changed his behavior. Yeah. You know, later on, actually, I would say, like in the last, I'm, separa I'm separating divorce three plus years, but let's say five, six years ago, he started like, you know, being like this amazing guy where he helped and, and he would try and show everybody um, how great he was, how, how helpful he was and he clean the dishes while they were sitting at the table and I entertained a lot and you know but at the same time he could put me down yeah. you know so you know we we when we when we don't want to see something we are so good when we're so manipulated we're so good at making excuses and that's how they get us we see what we want to see as well, right? We see what we want to see. Um, why, why is it so important for you to be sharing this? What is, it that you, what is it that you hope your message does for someone? It's been three plus, well, I would say it's been two years since he's had anything to do with my children. Um, I'm picking up such broken pieces. Oh, really? And I still have a lot of PTSD and, and, and I don't trust people. Um, I lost, I pretty much threw away all my, whether they left me or I left them friends, people were scared of him. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very important that, um, you know, you don't, you, you have to, um, how do I say this? The destruction that's left behind is so bad that if you don't get out early enough, if you can mm -hmm. and safely, 
and get the help you need because there is help out there and that's really what saved me and it's what's helping my kids now recover. Um, you're, first of all, you're starting this, uh, another generation and another vicious cycle in your kids because they're predisposed. And second of all, um, like I said, the damage is so bad. You know, there are children that end up suicidal. There are children that end up on drugs. Depression, which I went through with one of my kids, all of those things. Um, and, you know, your kids are damaged. Yeah. So it's really, you know, if, if, you don't, if, you, if you're not strong enough to do it for yourself, do it for the kids so that they go on to lead normal lives. And, and again, you have to love yourself, mm. which, which, which I did. And the, and the group therapy was, say, is I, I recommend group therapy for everything. For anything that you have issues with, group therapy saved my life. Mm. And I have my therapist now for three years almost. And the same one. And, you know, I, you know, you, that's the only way to, to, to really, um, to get better and, 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 and to get to a healthy place. But again, the children deserve to be happy, healthy, um, um, young men, young women. Um, it's not fair to them. They didn't ask to be born. Mm. We brought them into this world. We have to give them the chance. And unfortunately, this is a vicious cycle in my ex's family. Hmm. It happened in his parents' home. Um, it's, it's happened, you know, I'm his second wife. He, you know, he was married for a short time, very young age. Um, he had a child who he has nothing to do with. We have what to do with him, but he has nothing to do with him. And... Um, and his siblings, there's so, there's so much um, dysfunction because right. nobody's breaking the cycle. And like I said, you know, my kids um, witnessed after the fact, um, after we were separated, um, and I tried and begged for him to get help. I tried to work with him because we had a business together. Um, I'd let him be around, and there were times he just went berserk, and my kids witnessed that. You know, they 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 were like my savior. So what they do you mean? He, what do you mean he went berserk? What did he What did he do? He would try and get my phone. He believed I was um, having, I don't know, I, I was I was having conversations with with other men. Um, it was very easy to talk to strangers. Yeah. There's people that I knew. Um, and he was obsessed with that. Um, and I mean, forget that he had girlfriends and, and made my kids lie about it. Um, he manipulated them. There was a lot of guilt they had, which didn't help to the... To, this is, again, after I was already separated, I allowed him... When we were getting along, I allowed him to come to the house. It ended up backfiring on me. Um, and he ended up getting me thrown out of the house. Um, again, that's where the authorities, our authority, um, our need training, our police 
Um, let's just pause here for one second because I want to jump into, so sorry to cut you off because I do want to jump into the, that situation in terms of your experience with the authorities. Um, but I would like just to talk a little bit about when you decided, when that day where he was physically violent with you and you knew that that was, that if he hadn't crossed a line before, he absolutely had crossed the line then and that was it, you were done. What is the first thing that you did to get yourself into a safe situation? And I'm asking this because others may be wondering the same and it may be some good advice or some good, um, you know, some good first steps for others to be considering. Okay, well, I made a lot of mistakes, but everything happens for a reason. So I won't punish myself for those mistakes. Um, that day, he obviously left the house, and my son called 911, and he also called my oldest that was in school about an hour away and told him what happened. And he Ubered home. Um, he started to Uber home, and then I told my son, you need to go to our synagogue, and you need to stay there and wait until I call you. I covered myself up. I was in such shock. A month before we celebrated, a month and a half before we celebrated 20 years of marriage, you know, um, this came out of nowhere. And um, so basically, I, I, the cops, came, the police came to the house and, you know, they got two phone calls, one from my son at school and one from this address. I said, no one's here and I'm not ready to, you know, I... I am, I am not ready to talk about this right now. I'm not ready to press charges. Mm -hmm. um, I, it was probably the biggest mistake of my life because my boys were furious at me. They right. were, at that point, they were very for me doing that. Right. Uh, um, I just, I was numb. I was shocked. Right. Uh, I did end up pressing charges two weeks later but I did give him the two weeks to go and get help, and he didn't. Um, and it ended up backfiring because he went and called the police on me and claimed I cut up his arms and made my son lie about it. And I ended up going to jail, which is what happens to many, many victims, is they end up, they end up, yeah. It, was it turned on me. So then I had to drop the charges. We both dropped the charges charges against each other. Wow. But my kids witnessed all of this. My oldest was made to lie. That guilt stayed with him for, for months and months and months and months, which, didn't, which contributed to his mental breakdown later on. And, of course, I forgave him, um, you know, but, you know, these are the impacts. So this is what you're talking about in terms of impacts to the to the kids, right? Um, so before we start talking a little bit more about that and and how your kids are doing now, uh, how did you how did you move get yourself to a safe safe place? I, I really didn't. Um, I, like I said, I made a lot of mistakes. I stayed where I was. I had the locks changed. 
I had the support of the community. Um, and, you know, he stayed away for a while after that. Um, and then, you know, I started to see how really sick he was. He would tell me all these things. He's homeless. Later on, I found out he had moved in with some woman. Um, then I try, you know, I, I really had nowhere to go. There are shelters. And I was going to group therapy in a shelter. Um, but I could not. Um, my kids refused to leave the house. Mm -hmm. So we were very cautious. And every time something happened or he threatened me or anything, I called the police. Right. Um, I kept the paper trail. Whether they believed me, they didn't. They thought I was crazy. You know, there was nothing I could, you know, my kids did not want to leave. You know, what I would like other women or other men to know is that there, if you can leave, if you can get out of that house, away where he can't find you, go. Um, I could not do that. And it led to so many horrible things happening to me because he punished me. He paid me back. Um, at, at one point I did go live with my parents and I would come home every day. I'd do carpool with the kids. I would stay until I, I felt it was time I had to leave. Right. And then I would go. And during that short period of time, he, he had, took control over my children's minds. He manipulated them. He had them lie to me. Literally, it's scary how 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 it takes such a short time to to brainwash someone. Right, someone has skills at that. And I remember, I went through that for over twenty years, but in, in a year and a half of group therapy and private therapy, I was able to seal, go backwards, and and being in rooms with women who shared their stories, I was able to you know say, oh my gosh, I went through that. But, so I was doing that while I was at my parents. So I was getting, I was getting healthier. So right. I was able to fight him back. And it was, it was, a, it was a lot of bad stuff that happened. Like, I so wanted him to get better. I tried so hard. I even went into therapy with him. He would never tell the truth. Right. You're only as sick as your secrets. That's the best line. If you want to get better, you know, mental illness, many, as we both know, fight every single day to get better. Every single day to get better. He could, just couldn't be honest. And he always, you know, they, they always tried to make us look crazy. And then we start to feel crazy. I wouldn't let that happen to, to myself. I, would, I, I did go through depression. I did have my... Oh my gosh, I would go drive, take a drive to the beach and cry my eyes out. I, I tried very hard not to let my kids see that. Mm -hmm. um, I was in the house when I was by myself. It was, it was hard. My parents were away while I was there for a lot of the time. And it was very difficult, but I was able to really, really work on myself. Right. But again, that was safe for me. As long as he wasn't hurting my kids, and I didn't realize how badly he was brainwashing them. I was safe. They were safe. Right. You know, there were times when I went there and he would go after me. And I had three boys 
go in between us. Yes. So I'm going to ask you this question only for the purpose of perhaps helping others, not certainly not for the purpose of making, I know you don't regret, you did the best you could. And I truly believe that we all do the best that we can with the things that we have available to us. But in case there is a listener who is kind of thinking, this sounds a little like me, what would you have done differently? And again, I'm asking for the purpose of maybe helping someone else, not for you to be feeling shitty about what you did or you did not do. I don't know that I would have. Okay. Other than, other than probably having him arrested that first time, okay. it probably would have saved me from so much heartache and my kids. Right. But again, I don't know what kind of punishment probably would not have stayed in jail very long. Yeah, what path then would have, would have followed as a result of that, we don't know. We don't know. And, and, but I could tell you this. Being where I am now, not a professional, okay, only from my experience, and, you know, reading articles, and, 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 and saying, oh, my God, that my, was my life. Looking backwards, I would tell women, if you can go to group therapy without their spouse knowing. First of all, I would have a safety plan. It's the first thing they tell you, have a safety plan. I had to put a camera in the window of my home. Um, have family members know where you are at all times. My kids and would track me. We all had trackers on our phones. Um, you know, people have people know what's going on. Mm. Because if you don't, I had a very good support system. I was very, very lucky. You know, there are people that don't, but there are shelters, there are resources, phone numbers that um, Luis will put out there. Um, yeah, I'll, that, include, I'll include them in the show notes. Yeah. That there are places to go to get help, and you could do it quietly. Um, you know, there was a show, there was a video clip recently um, on Facebook of a woman who was in a very abusive relationship and she, she knew he was going to kill her. He had a gun on her. I don't know if you saw this. I posted it. And he, um, he basically, she said, I must take the dog to the vet. Can, can we go right now to the vet? And she did. And she, she left him in a room she left she went to the bathroom she wrote a note on the note she wrote i'm in danger this man wants to kill me he has a gun and she handed it very quietly to the secretary and went back to sit down next to him and they called the police what a brave girl i mean i couldn't i couldn't stop crying after i watched it just Go out, just if you, if you have access to a computer, if you have to go to a library, do research. I mean, I've learned so much just from researching, from my friends, from what they've been going through. Um, this stuff is real. These men are very, very sick, you know, and the damage we don't want to, again, the most important thing is we don't want to start another cycle through our children 
Yeah. They deserve to live healthy, good lives. Unfortunately, their role models are no longer their role models, especially when it's boys. Yeah. My boys loved their father, and then they, they finally said he's sick. Yeah. You know, and we can't, he's toxic. Um, so going back to your question again, of what would I do differently? Again, probably that first time that he beat me, yeah. I should have called, I should have made a police report. I mean, I should have actually, you know, yeah. Um, there was another time when I was trying to help him when we were already separated where he, he claimed he had nowhere to go. And, um, I got him a hotel room and I went up to the room with him, which was my biggest mistake because I had to check him in. And when I said, I don't, I'm not staying, he followed me out in the hallway and he beat me. And there was an old man there and he was screaming at him, stop, stop. And I flew out of that, the hotel so quickly. This is something I blocked out. I actually remembered it just the other day. And this happened more recent than anything else. Um, but, I should have made a police report then, you know. It's, these men are very dangerous. We have to take their threats seriously. We have to be extremely cautious, but we have to save ourselves. We have to save our sanity and we have to save our children and we have to save ourselves. And like I said, safety plan, have a bag packed somewhere, have family members know what's going on. Um, these are the things they tell, like I said, they will teach you in, in, in shelters and in therapy and group therapy and regular therapy. Um, you know, when, when, when my kids, when I started getting, having therapy for my kids, they'd come to the home and I'd have um, a case manager and they would set up a safety plan, right. you know? And, that's and, I'm sure, and I'm sure you can even, Google that, right? Yes. You know, and not not to take away from any of the amazing suggestions that you've provided, like um, having family members know where you are, have people know what's going on, going to group therapy, reaching out for help because there are lots of resources. Um, just even even like you you were saying, read articles, Google it. If there's anything in your soul at all that believes something is off or something is happening that's not quite right. I've heard you say a few times now, although in different ways, listen to that. Yes. Listen to that. There is something, there is something there. Um, and I think you've given so many, so many great, great nuggets, but that piece I think is so, so vital so vital that listen to yourself, listen to your gut. If something feels off, something is off. And I, I kept saying to myself, how can I put my kid's father in jail? How could I do this to them? It was always about, I always thought about them. More trauma, more, but you know what? It was more traumatic mm. that I did it. Right. More damage that I didn't. Because when he finally did get locked up, it was the safest, the safest, calmest time we had. We had. Unfortunately, it wasn't long enough. You know, he left the state of Florida. There's a warrant for his arrest because he was on probation. Um, he was supposed to get mental health. 
help during his probation. I'm safe now. You know, people are like, why don't you move out of the state? You know, I'm safe here. You can't come back. But I'm focusing on reaching out to others. Okay. The mental health portion, which we didn't touch on really because my son, my oldest had a mental health breakdown, tried to commit suicide. He went to a deep, deep, dark depression and I had to fight everything. That's how, how, where it all started was fighting my insurance company to get my kid the best health to save his life. That's really where my voice really started. Uh, Besides, you know, my posts here and there on on Facebook and people contacting me. Yeah. Um, And once it really started impact you, once you started really seeing the impact that it had on your kids, you got more, became more of an advocate. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't shut up. If you see. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm always there as much PTSD and trauma and flashbacks or whatever. I'm always there of one girlfriend going through such hell. And I know there's so many others out there. I will sit and listen to her all day and all night because nobody was there like that for me. Yeah. You know, everybody was there to an extent, but who could listen to the same stuff over and over. But, but you can't even imagine, you know, what, it, what you can't imagine what it's like unless you go through it. And, you know, I'm probably the only one that really gets her. So what, I don't would think you, what would your message be to listeners who feel a lot of compassion for what you're sharing, but haven't been through it? What, what message would you have for them who may, if they, you know, if listeners has a friend, have a friend that's going through this, what, what advice would you have for them? How do you be a, a, a good friend and a good resource to a girlfriend that might be going through this when you haven't been through it yourself? Collect information. Okay. Collect information in whatever way you can, because a lot of women have, have their spouses or their partners or men have their partners right. um, um, standing over them 20, you know, all the time going through their stuff. In whatever safe way you can, find them information. Okay. And, and get, give it to them. Give them articles. Um, just be a supportive person. I'm here for you. I want to help you, you know, whatever you choose to do. This is what I would do. Just, just be a support system. That's, that's what, that's what they need. And when they're ready, hopefully sooner rather than later, you know, they will, they will get out. They will, they will, they will take that first step. And, or they can, you know, kind of trick them and say, let's go to some group thing. I want to take you to some group thing, whatever. And so stage stage an intervention. <laughs> stage an intervention. Yeah. So take them to a group therapy class. Once they go to one, they'll be addicted. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know what else to say. There, there, I met so many women who kept, kept going back 
or refused to leave. They were scared to leave. Um, I, I don't know what whatever happened with that. A lot of them, um, the, you know, but because I, I haven't been back to that support group in a long time, but you know, there's so much more info. There's so much information out there. If you if you look, I mean, I I get like emails all the time because I've gone onto different websites, um, and even on on social media, there are um, recovering um, groups um, recovering or um, having been married to a narcissistic um, abuser. Uh, there's tons and tons of. If you don't want to even go outside, right, right in your home, or right. let's say go to a friend's house watched and, and go together onto these these groups these chats and 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 you know talk to people ask them you know what they think you know there are people that constantly always writing things you know i'm so sad today i don't know what to do my 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 abuser sent me this or sent me that or there's so much out there on the internet that i didn't know at right. the time it was only after the fact when I was able to look backwards and see myself as an, a woman of abuse. Right. And you almost could see when you were looking at your life from the perspective of being a fly on the wall instead of, instead of being Bailey Smith going, going through it. I do know as it differs from, so I'm in Canada, um, in Ontario, and our province has a lot of legislation around um, violence, uh, protecting individuals actually in the workplace who might be experiencing violence at home. And so any listeners within Ontario, you can even see your employer and they are legally obligated to put a safety plan in place for you. And so that is a really great resource and thing to be aware of for those in Ontario. Um, I know a lot of Employers also have insurance plans that have, you know, a free 1-800 number that, that, that employees can phone uh, in case of any kind of situation that they might be experiencing in life, including domestic violence. Um, we'll include whatever numbers we can. It just differs so much from province to province, from state to state, from country to country. But there is so much help out there. There are so many resources and there are always people who want to and are willing to help, I think is that is that is that main that main message. Um you've Can mentioned Yeah, um, please do. Please. Um, so basically I, I forgot my therapist actually told me this is something you should mention. And she reminded me when you go to your gynecologist. A yeah. lot of times in the bathrooms, there are um, little cards uh, with 1-800 numbers to call if you're being uh, um, abused. Um, she said, um, go, when you go to your gynecologist, you go to the doctors, right. exactly what you just said, mention to them, I need help. They will help. They are obligated to help you. Even your kid's doctor. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if your if your spouse or your abuser insists on coming with you to to the doctors, the, the doctor could say, "Excuse me, you're not invited into the room." I mean, you know, and you can tell them, "I need help," like that, like that girl did in that video that, that I told you about. 
So, and that was such a great example to give because that's how as, as much courage as it would take to do that, that is a simple example of what you can do, right? To, to, to try to reach someone, um, even when your abuser may be around with you. And so thank you for sharing that example as well. Um, you, you mentioned and you've alluded to it a little bit about the impact that this has had on your, on your children. Um, tell us a little bit more about, about, about that, Bailey. So, um my my oldest child had a breakdown he was um taking my clonopins um i don't know how he'd get a hold of them i'd hide them and take them with me and then he would go and in, get into suicidal mo uh, modes um and he started self self-harm uh, he's he was purging he was living in squalor and depression um and until I found him the right help, because it, he wasn't a, a drug addict. That was minute. That was a teeny, teeny portion. And then, you know, we fight our insurance companies. You know, I thank God he had five and a half months of, of real trauma therapy where they dug deep. Yeah. And, and he, because I realized he was a victim too. Yeah. It took me a while to realize what, what kind of help does this kid need? And then I, I found the right place and it, they saved his life. And now he's pretty much self-sufficient. He's doing really well. Um, my middle son, I do believe this, you know, although it's genetic and there, it's in thyroid cancer is in the genes um, and thyroid disease is in the genes on both sides. I do believe the stress caused him um, to have cancer three plus times. I mean, right now it's stable. Um, but he also wasn't home for two years. He was back and forth, but he went, went away to school. He's the only one that does speak to his father um, very casually. Um, he, he kind of wants to block it all out, whatever he did witness. Um, but he was not there for a lot of this, a lot of the other stuff. I said, look, you, I will never stop you from having what to do with your father. Um, he goes, look, I know my dad's not well. I know, I know I'm not stupid. And I know he, he's very good at manipulating, but I don't want to regret if something happens to mm him. -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other two, totally, the oldest, sorry, sorry, the oldest um, basically washed him away, washed the toxic, which helped very much get him to heal. Um, I feel I did that too. Although again, we still have triggers. We're, we're all very capable of triggering each other. Yeah. Uh, and my youngest is still very angry. He was very, very close to his dad. And we're dealing with that now with intense therapy and group therapy um, because he doesn't want to. He, to him, his father's dead. And that was his words. Um, but I don't, I don't believe suppressing it is, is helpful. I think this is what happened with their father. I think he had some sort of trauma as a child. I don't know exactly what it is. I know his mother was very dysfunctional. And you, you can't suppress things. You have to deal. It never goes away. It will come out in some form or another. And 
you know, those are the, those are messages that, I, that women and need to know for themselves. And because if you don't get the proper help, let's say you get divorced and you get out of that marriage, you're going to end up with the same kind of guy because you it didn't. Goes back, it goes back to the, the quote that you shared and I've heard you say it before on social media, you shared it in the earlier in our show, you're only as sick as your secrets. So to your point, you get out, which is great. And, and congratulations again to you, Bailey, for having the courage to do so and for the courage for speaking up. And to anyone who is listening who may have been through this as well, kudos to you for, for getting out. But I love what you're saying about the importance of dealing with it and not thinking that because you've escaped the situation that you've ex escaped the cycle. And so um, getting help when, even when, when you have removed yourself from that, I think is so critical to your, to your point and, and that your children are victims as well. And perhaps you're not even aware, you mentioned this, Bailey, you're not even fully aware of the impact that it has had on your kids. So what does, um, what does the future look like for Bailey? Well, two of my kids will be out of the house, you know, um, well, one is, one's going away and I don't think he'll ever come back to live at home full time. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of plans for himself. Hopefully he'll be healthy. Um, I'm working with my youngest to get him healthy. That's a very big challenge. 14 is a very hard age. As you know, you have yes. boys. Yes. Um, and I have so many things I want to do. I don't even know where to start. You know, I started, um, you know, I'm, I'm a health insurance broker. I, I've continued the business that we started together. Well, it really was the face of it. And um, I always wanted to be a social worker, and he talked me out of it. So um, I would like to do some sort of counseling. I want to go out there, help people, bring awareness to mental health, um, suicide prevention. Again, you see me all the time, constantly. You know, my cousin just lost his daughter to suicide. He also had a very nasty divorce, and she didn't get the proper help, and he was abused. And she, the second time at 16, she hung herself. I mean, it's horrific. It's horrific. But the trauma is there from somewhere. You understand? We don't, we're not born depressed, we're not born with trauma, we're not born, you know, with these kind of things. These are the kind of things we see at very young ages or happen to us. Um, and, and we need to um, bring, and then, and then what happens is depression is a killer. People just don't want to live anymore. And again, it all goes back to trauma or depression. It's, it's a cycle. And we have to bring awareness. Um, Tracy's doing an amazing job. Um, you know, I, I, like I say, I want to be like Tracy when I grow up. I want to be just like Tracy when I grow up. Not that I'm much younger than her, but um, <laughs> I, I want to, obviously, I, I need to get, besides the advocating and stuff like that, which I could do as volunteer, I would have to get some degrees I'll continue with my education, which I stopped. Um, and I'd like to do 
I want to train our our police and our judges and our they need training. And you know, even the sergeant that and the deputy that finally did lock him up said to me, "I want to I want you to know, Miss Smith, our precinct has made changes since your case." I'm like, "Well, thanks." Now after everything I went through, because if we can't rely women domestic violence if we can't rely on the people on our law enforcement that's another reason why they give up and they stay so it's there's so many c components to 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 what has to be done the changes that have to be made the healthcare system um, the our authorities um, awareness for, for women that go through domestic violence, there's help for them. Um, fixing ourselves, loving ourselves, um, you know, helping our children, getting out of bad situations so our children don't have to grow up and be like that. Um, you know, if you look at, 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 at kids or teenagers that end up in jail or, or drug dealers or this or that, they came from broken homes. They never got the help that they needed. And I always tell my children, you don't want to go to therapy? Well, be thankful you, you have the opportunity because yeah. there are so many people that don't have that opportunity and then they, they, they never have a normal, healthy life. Yeah. It's just not, it's not fair. And you I know? think you speak to so many important points, um, but we, here we are at the top of the hour, but you have just sort of emphasized not only through what you have shared, but right here in your last point about how multifaceted and complex this is. And um, I did want, I couldn't, I can't let this show end without saying, you know, congrats to, despite the fact that you had to go through what you went through in order for things in your jurisdiction to change, that's amazing that change has happened. And so I'm happy that what you have been through has not been in vain and what you continue to do each and every day as you speak out on behalf of your children and advocate for them, and what you do on social media and the lives that you touch, whether you know or you don't, you are making a massive difference, and it really is one conversation at a time. So thank you so much for your courage and your bravery and your heart in wanting to be such a shining example for others. Thank you for having me, and thank you for being my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. You're not getting rid of me now. <laughs> and I also want to thank all of you, my loyal listeners and followers, and remind you that information about my radio show in general and all my guests and details about Bailey Smith and the resources that we referenced in this show and more can be found at my website, louisehreed.com. Also, a big shout out, as always, to my producer, Cameron Steele at Contact Talk Radio Network. And finally, I'm here to highlight and showcase people like Bailey who are taking brave, bold action and whose actions have a positive impact in our world. With that said, I'd like to encourage you all to be brave, be bold, and be happy. Until next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm Louise H. Reed, wishing you an amazing day. Goodbye, friends. Ever heard of the Celtic curse? I've heard of the luck of the Irish. Yeah, this isn't like that. 
It's hemochromatosis. Apparently, it can cause the body to absorb iron at three times the normal rate. And people with Northern European and Celtic heritage are at the highest risk. So, it's about as lucky as a one-leaf clover. Well, it can cause some serious health problems, but it's easy to treat if discovered early. Chronic fatigue or aching joints. These are just two possible symptoms of hemochromatosis or the Celtic curse. To learn more, visit toomuchiron.ca. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.